I've thought about it for about a decade. Um, when I was younger, I always knew that I wanted to help people. Um, I didn't exactly know what that meant. Um, and then I started doing my own self-healing journey and everything like that. And when you're younger, you don't really know that a mental health doctor is kind of a thing. You think physical doctors only. Um, and then in 2019, I lost my dad to addiction and mental health. And that is by far the most difficult thing that I've ever been through in my entire life. Um, Brene Brown talks about like grief and anguish and that was anguish. You know, I just like felt like I've lost part of my soul and like brings you down to your knees. And it was kind of in that moment that I knew it was like, I don't want anyone else to feel the way that my family feels now and the way he must have felt in those final moments. Um, cause like, I just can't imagine how lonely and scary that must have felt. So I decided I was like, I don't want this to be in vain. I kind of want this to be a known thing that happened um, and use that experience to help other people. Like, hey, I know it's hard. I know it's dark. I know it's scary, but I know what it feels like to lose someone. And I've seen the mental health crisis up close and personal. I've experienced um, anxiety and depression myself. And it's scary and it's lonely and I just want to be there to help you know and not not necessarily even like offer advice and stuff like that just to be able to let someone know like you're not alone you know we're all on this journey together life is hard for everyone um and I just think that we can help carry the load together, make it lighter for one another and help make it a little bit easier for everyone because there are going to be days that I'm feeling strong and I can help carry your load. And then adversely, you know, some days I feel low. You know, like I said, I struggle with anxiety and depression myself and someone close to me can help me carry my load on that day. And that's just how we do it, you know, and I want to learn the science behind it and the techniques and be able to sit in a room with someone and just be like, hey, I'm in this with you. What can I do to be a, a tool in your life to help you get through this difficult time? Because um, when someone does healing work on themselves, other people notice that. You know, when they start to notice that growth and stuff, the people in their lives that might be struggling, like, hey, what have you been doing? Like, oh, I'm going to therapy. I've been doing this breath work, whatever it is. And they're like, maybe I could try that. And they start doing it. And then someone else notices it. And it's just this yeah. ripple effect that kind of helps make the world just a little bit brighter because we need it. Yeah, so my friend Shelby Franks, she stopped drinking uh, a year and a half ago now. Mm -hmm. And um, when, so then her friend Elizabeth started doing it too. She's like, well, you know what? We used to, we drink a lot together. Like, yeah. You can do it. I can, <laughs> let me try now she's six months. She hasn't drank in six months. And then when I saw her keep on making a post, I was like, you know, what? let me go do this for a little bit. So I decided to do the month of November. I was like, you know, I'll do 30 days and then maybe have a couple of beers later on. Yeah. But, you know, I actually went, it's like you said, you see other people doing it. Hey, I can do it. I can, yep. you know, I want to do it. I want to try it, whatever. And, uh, you know, I, I had some beers. I knew I was going to drink on New Year's, have the champagne toast with everybody, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, fuck it. No, it's not a big deal. And, um, I just went ahead and drank and had some beers with like Tony and everybody. And, you know, it's fun. But what I noticed I didn't do was I didn't get, I wasn't doing like 30 drinks 
in yeah. an hour, you know, like I usually used to do. Right. Because like when I was talking to my therapist, I was telling him, you know, like I'm a super binge drinker. Like I want it all right then. Even though we might go out on a Sunday, I want to have four Bud Lights right. and two shots of tequila while everyone's just having one and one for like that hour, you know, or whatever it is. Right. And he's like, well, you know, this is something you work on. And when you don't think you can do it, then you just not drink. Mm-hmm. Like you try, like you, like you tried, like you, like you did actually. He goes, man, for somebody like you that's in the business that sees it all the time and stuff like that. And to go that long. But I was like, I don't go out every day though. Not like I was, like I was like when I was younger, right. but he's like, no, that's still an accomplishment. And I was, you know, we were talking about it and he was like, so do you feel bad about it? you drinking, drinking? I mean, I was like, no, not at all. And I was like, I always told everybody I, w- I am going to drink again. Like it's just, you know, temporary right now. And I'm not Yeah. because I want to teach myself how not to, um, binge. Right. Like, you know, and then on Sunday when we went out with Brad, I went, we went down to see Brad for his brunch, uh, his new brunch at Ibis. Yeah. I just, um, you know, he got me a, he got me a drink. And we all did a shot together like an hour or two later. And, you know, my beer got hot on me. That's how, I, you know, I was just taking my time drinking it. Yeah, it feels good to be able to be the one in control of it instead of the other way around. Um, but, you know, kind of like the same thing, me and my sober journey. I just hit my year mark, so I'm really excited about that. But I just see different people post about it on social media. Like uh, Alex Martin was a big one that I saw. He would post about it a lot. I'm like, dude, that's so awesome. And it made me um, kind of curious about it. And I just started taking little steps at a time. And in that, I think I posted before that I put a journal entry like, Maybe one day I won't drink it all. And then that just turned into like sober October. And then I'm like, oh, I still don't feel like drinking. Maybe I won't drink this month too. And then I go overboard and then uh, I go sober for a week. And then in that journey of about four years, I discovered that I'm an all or nothing kind of person. And in this situation, it had to be a nothing for me because even when I was just having a few drinks, I'd wake up with a headache or I'd wake up feeling anxious or like I get really nauseous. And I felt like that was taking time out of my life. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, even if we live to be 100 years old, that's not very long to be here on this earth. And I felt like I'd already missed out on about 30 at this point, And I didn't want to miss out on anything, not being drunk, not being hungover, anything like that. Um, and plus, I just didn't have time, like starting school, getting a new job, teaching yoga. If you've ever been in or taught hot yoga hungover before, <laughs> it will make you never want to touch alcohol again. Um, so I just had to decide to not do it at all anymore. But it wasn't an overnight thing. Yeah, it's like I remember like, you know, people start talking about something and that's when I remember about that. Well, oh, yeah, that was fun. I remember that. I was Yeah. They're like, yeah, dumbass, you were there with us. Yeah. Like, oh, OK. But then I was like, I didn't remember that story until somebody else brought it up. Right. Because, you know, I'd be on beer, whatever, or shot, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, or Coke line, whatever, you yeah. know. But like, like this past weekend when we went out, like I remember every conversation with every person I had. You right. know, it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, man, I, that, that's how that works. All yeah. right. You yeah. Know? And it's really interesting to sit back and watch everybody else get drunk, too. And you're like, dang, was I doing that? <laughs> I had to see it firsthand. And I saw it firsthand. And mm-hmm. our, our my friend told me, this is what you look like. Mm, yeah. And I said, 
damn. You know, he's like, okay, now you know. So maybe yeah. you'll address it. So I thought about all of the big arguments that I'd had in my life. And, you know, I've been in and out of jail and everything like that. And every single bit of that led back to me getting drunk. And like I said earlier, you know, when I get to a certain point of drunk, it wasn't just alcohol that I was doing. I was like, where's that party drug that can keep me going, that can keep me up all night, you know? Um, And then all of that generally, even though I thought I was having fun in the moment, it was the catastrophe of an aftermath that I was just like, is this worth it? Like, I'm giving, I could potentially die or kill someone else just from these decisions that I'm making all in the sake of having a good time, you know? And so I just had to quit and it's probably been one of the best decisions or it is one of the best decisions that I've ever made my entire life. Yeah. There's no real intrinsic value from drinking. Like it, it's a, it's a weird drug because it, it really shifts your mood. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people get violent when they are an alcohol. So it's like, if, if, if something is shifting you that much, it's probably just best to leave it out completely than to like teeter totter between it. Okay. I can do it for a little bit or not. Just cut it completely out. Cause like you said, even like you said, like the hangovers and stuff are just brutal, man. So brutal. Now, like I will say I haven't had a hangover in a long time because I got so, I think maybe my body just got used to being blackout that when I woke up the next day, it was just like, Oh, okay, take a shower, you know, eat some food and I feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, like I never, I, I don't think I remember last time I actually had like a, like a hangover. Like, you know, people say, oh man, I felt like shit. I was like, dude, I feel fine. Well, you're an alcoholic, Raul. That's why, you know, so like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you drink five drinks to everyone's one drink. So you, you're going to use to your symptoms. Not everyone else just has, when they get drunk, it's once in a while thing, you know, whatever. Yeah. But like, yeah, like, and then I was like, fuck, you know what? Yeah, I, I might have like a little little headache, not not two times all later, 10 minutes or 15 minutes, it's gone, you know? But yeah. like, fuck, all right. And I think like with me personally, I think it's a blessing and a curse, but my body starts rejecting alcohol at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Like I notice that like my mouth will start watering or I'll throw up. I know some people, they don't throw up at all. And like, they'll just keep drinking and drinking and drinking. That's why I guess some people get alcohol poisoning because they don't have that cutoff switch. Like right. I do. Like you would like start throwing up from like too much alcohol or just, yeah, like or just had it, enough kind of thing. Like my body's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. It needs to expel it. Like if I'll do like certain shots will make me automatically want to throw up. And I know some people that can drink maybe not as much as I can, but they or more than I can, but they'll just keep they'll just keep going and going. And I don't have that. Like my body said, this is this is the wall. Like right. stop right now. Because I know like Brad told me he never he never throws up. Yeah, and I've had other people that's tell wild. me that. <laughs> I, I would like every single time, and that's what I was gonna say. I felt like my hangovers, and as intense as they are, were probably like a little bit of a blessing mm-hmm. because, like, there are still days that I think, like, God, I'm so glad I'm not hungover because they yeah. were that bad. Like I said, the anxiety, migraines, throwing up, like it was just horrible. Like I could not take medicine and just feel better. I would get sick two to three times minimum and then i'd have to take some medicine and sleep it off so i'm just like sleeping days away yeah and i wouldn't be able to eat till like nine or ten o'clock at night which just the throwing up in itself isn't good for you Mm -mm. and then not being able to nourish myself not being able to hydrate is doing 
no good for my skin and my body. Yeah. So it's rough. Yeah. And it's an expensive thing too. Oh yeah. God. So and then expensive. to have, and then to purge it. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's just more Was ridiculous. It worth it? It's like, you know, it's like, you getting you drinking beer or whatever, and you having fun, and then you have to use the restroom. Like maybe for me, it's different, but everyone's different. But like it's probably like two hours in, and I have to go pee really bad, you know. Yeah. And then after I break break the seal, it's like every ten minutes, you know. Like yeah. oh man, and Tony say one, he's like, all we do is pee it out. <laughs> why, why, <laughs> you know why are we always drinking? So why are we always going out drinking and have fun and stuff? I'm like I don't know. Right. But Tony said it best. It's expensive. And if you if you go to a bar and you get shots and your beer and your dinner or whatever, yeah, you're looking at a hundred something dollars, right? You know, and depending on the rate you drink, you might even be higher than that. Exactly. And then everybody feels like a weekend billionaire too when you get enough alcohol in you. You're like shots for everybody, and then the next day, what the fuck was I doing? <laughs> yeah, and then on top of a hangover the next day, you're broke. So. Yeah, you're bill. You're, you're like, you're getting a text message. You are in negative. You owe Bank of America $35, yeah. which is another scam all by itself. Right. Overdrafting fees. I remember I used to get those all the time at first Tennessee. I was like, why do I keep on getting this? Like, just decline my card. Yeah. That's They're insane. like, oh, you have to opt in because right now we have you as purchase protection. or I was like, no, I don't want that shit. Like, I don't want to get into, like, well, sir, maybe have more than $100 in your bank account. You know? <laughs> like, okay. And stop spending wow, $500. Yeah. America. You know, like, <laughs> instead of stop spending like $500 every weekend. I'm like, oh, fair. that's fair like, too. Yeah. You thanks know? for that <laughs> advice. Appreciate that. <laughs> so, what does anxiety and depression look like to you? Um, so I joke that I used to be kind of like a fainting goat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, in the beginning, I did not know that it was anxiety that I was experiencing. So um, my vision would totally tunnel. My ears would start ringing and I would flap pass out. And it would look like I was having a seizure. Mm. So I was being tested for like epilepsy and stuff like that. And they never really landed on a conclusion. And then it was kind of found out I had a panic disorder. And honestly, like figuring that out was so helpful. That's when I learned about triggers. Like what is triggering me to freak out this much? I learned to like when I started hearing that ringing in my ears and that tunnel vision and stuff like that, that I could go in the bathroom and take some deep breaths and kind of bring myself back to center. Um, and then depression for me is that complete lethargic, what is the point of this all? kind of feeling. Um, and, you know, that doesn't just go away. It's something you have to learn to deal with. You wake up some mornings, you're like, I don't want to get out of bed. Your body feels heavy. Like you don't want to eat. Or in my case, like I don't want to eat. I don't want to drink water. The things that normally pull me out of those moods, um, like yoga and meditation, breath work, socializing, I don't want to do any of it. So I had to like find some non-negotiables for myself that even on the days that it is the hardest and you really don't want to get out of bed I make myself chug water because I mean, just drinking that water makes all the difference in the world. So maybe after I've got up and I've chugged some water, I'm like, okay, now I'm going to make my matcha latte and that gives me a little energy boost. And then I'm like, okay, well now maybe I'll make my bed. And it doesn't always play out like that. Sometimes I chug the water and I'm like, I'm going to get back in bed. But after I get that rest, because depression is just a way of letting your body know, like, hey, something's a little off. Maybe you should rest a little bit. 
maybe I wake up the next day feeling a little better and then I make the latte and I make my bed. It's just learning to be patient with yourself, learning your triggers and because uh, mental illnesses and things like that never necessarily go away, you learn your triggers, you learn to live with it instead of always fighting against it. Because when you fight against it and shove it down, it just gets worse. And I think that's what was happening when I was passing out from my panic attacks. I was feeling that panic inside and I was just shoving it down. I was like, mm, you're fine. Keep pretending like everything's okay. Keep chit-chatting. And my telltale sign, I would always look at somebody that I was with and I'd say, I don't feel so good. And then I'd pass out. Wow. Mm-hmm. So is it a voice in your head that you hear or is it just the physical as far as like the depression? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Like uh, there's almost like this voice in your head that's not fully you and you know it's you, but it's a little bit louder than mm. the normal you. And then that has such a physical effect on you that causes like that heaviness, you know, sometimes it can say some like really negative things like, well, what's the use of getting out of bed? It's not like you're going to do anything good today anyway. So might as well stay here. And then the part of you that you know is you starts to kind of agree with that part. And then it just all kind of comes together to create that heaviness that I don't even have energy to cook food right now, you know, but like I said, I have that non-negotiable Get up and make yourself some water and see what happens from there. And um, it seems to work for the most part. But everyone has different things that they do to pull themselves out of those slumps. And sometimes it lasts years, hours. It varies. Now, do you think that is something that was ingrained in you, like from just people around you or just you were born with that? Um, so there have been some studies that show that Depression especially uh, can be genetic, mm -hmm. and that is something that is in my family, on both sides of my family, um, and also uh, addiction and things like that. It all just kind of goes hand in hand to make these perfect storms, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. um, so I grew up witnessing it, and also it is in my DNA. And generations before us didn't really have the knowledge and that we and the tools we have now. So we're we were told to um, toughen up, you know, keep pushing, you know, to not really face the issue, to just keep it inside and bully through. But as I witness with my father, who was an incredible man, he was a kind man, but he had mental illnesses that he self-medicated with. Um, and that's because there were generations before him that were very cruel to him about mm -hmm. it. And so he felt very weak. And so I, I witnessed that. And uh, yeah, so I think it was kind of built into me in more ways than one. Yeah. Yeah. Like I always say, I think we all have demons, but some people's demons are louder than others. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they can't quell them. And it's nothing that we can possibly do to stop that person from having those demons. Like, it's just something in them that sometimes they can't fight. And they, unfortunately, some people, the only way to get rid of them in their head is to, you know, just to delete themselves. And, and it's sad exactly. that some people have to get to that point. And especially men. Like, I wish that there was a point in life where men could be like, hey, I'm having this problem. I'm not yeah. weak because I'm having problems. Like, it's like 
like people talk about like me growing up, I was taught that we're not supposed to cry. Men are not supposed to cry. Mm -hmm. And apparently that's a very known thing with most men. But it's like, why do you have tear ducts if we're not supposed to cry? You know, like, so it's just like it, it needs to get to a point where we're like, hey, I'm dealing with this. Let's talk about it or go seek some kind of counseling or something. Because it's like sometimes you don't want to unload on everybody in your personal life. So maybe like having these outlets, like what you're going to school for, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a a beneficial thing that I think a lot of us need to start seeking more of. Because we're in a, I think the world's in a really good place, place, but there's a little darkness that's happening. And I think the internet has magnified that darkness. So we need to figure out how to quell that. Well, I think everybody needs, everybody, all three of us, you know, even sitting in this room right now. We all should have at least one person we can talk to, mm-hmm. you know, and if we if you, if you don't, then, you know, you could always call whatever um, not is it nine, eight, nine, eight, eight. Yes. You mm-hmm. know, you could always call that number if it's really bad problems that you're having or stuff like that. You know, that's what they're there for, you know, and I just that's that I just think that, you know, it's not fair that some people don't have anybody to talk to because they were taught you don't talk about that shit. Mm-hmm. You fucking go to work come home, you know, you're the provider. That's it. Right. You know, and like, that's just. Well, I think the thing is, is that we just got to look at the time periods people were in. Yeah. Like my grandparents and before them, it was like survival mode, like the great depression and stuff like that. So that's all they fucking, it was like doom and gloom. Yeah. I think a life is a lot easier now um, as far as like necessities and stuff. I mean, like people are struggling. Don't get me wrong, but there's more abundance, I think. So I think that's where the whole compassion and empathy needs to come more into play. And people need to be able to show this and deal with these type of issues instead of just burying it down. Right. Well, I also think like your grandparents were literally surviving to live, trying to live because, you know, there was, you know, even those, um, how much I say, like, you know, they were, they could probably get picked up in the South and shit like that and get killed before being black and stuff, you know, and that was only what, 70 years ago Mm -hmm. or something like that. Like, You know, so that this that that this conversation has never really came up. It was more like, hey, you need to go to school so you can get out of here, you know, so you need to do this and you need to survive. Be the one of us that makes something of themselves and stuff like that. Right. Um, and I think it's really interesting. Like you can actually look at the suicide statistics and see like uh the year that I lost my father in two thousand nineteen, it was sixty eight point eight percent were men. And now we are nearly at 70. Um, And I think that says a lot about how society teaches men how they are and are not supposed to deal with their emotions. Um, Like we were saying, you know, men are taught they can't cry. They're not supposed to be emotional. And uh, but you are allowed to experience anger, you know, and I just think that's really interesting. So, yeah. And also there are certain mental illnesses and i learned this in my psychology class this year that are unique to certain regions and the united states is has the highest rate like in the entire world of all mental illnesses Mm. and i think that's really interesting when people ask me why i think it's just because so much is expected out of us in so many ways. You know, there's the grind culture where like you don't have time to sit there and think about yourself. And one day you wake up, you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm depressed or oh, my gosh, this uh, feeling I've been experiencing is anxiety. And then you've got places, I think 
I think it's Nigeria that has the lowest amount of mental illnesses in the entire world. And I think it's kind of beautiful because they also kind of in certain regions have the lowest access to certain resources and stuff like that. They have what they have and that's it. And they have learned how to create their own happiness and live in that simplicity and be happy like that. And I think that's kind of beautiful and something that we could all kind of learn from. You know, like in some parts of the world, where most of the world actually, if you're poor, if your parents are poor, you're going to be poor. Mm Mm-hmm. And then your ch- your child's gonna be poor. You're gonna be, a, you know, if like in India, if your your dad's a farmer, or your parents are farmers, their parents were farmers, their parents before them were, you know, everyone's a farmer. You're gonna be a fucking farmer. Mm-hmm. You know, like you might have an iPhone, but you're still gonna be a farmer. You right. know, like that that's the end of it. And I don't know. It's crazy to think, and it's crazy to think that how a lot of people's lives are already when they're born. That's it. Like you know, and and they don't get it. They don't get to do anything different than that. Yeah, like it, their life path is already kind of set mm-hmm. out for them. And but then you have people that are like, "What if I don't want to do that?" And they kind of set out on their own yeah. path, and they're like the trailblazers that start a whole new generation of things. So there's lots of different factors that can contribute to mental illnesses and also to healing. And there's always that one person in the family. I keep seeing this thing, and I think it's great. It's like. The black sheep in the family is probably the most evolved. The one causing the most conflict is probably the one doing the most healing and deep work. Are you the black sheep in the family? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> my brothers are doctors. You oh, know, okay. my parents came. My parents are successful business owners here. Or mm-hmm. well, they were before they sold the store. You know, um, I mean, I got an accomplishment. I mean, it's it's minor, but for me, it's great. I mean, I won salesman of the year. And that's awesome. So you helped out alcoholics. You know, wait, 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 let's go back to that in a second. Let's go back. Let's go back to that in a second, please, please, please. <laughs> I remember being a fucking. Nah, I was talking about this thing about this the other day. I remember being a fucking tutor in elementary school. I don't know how, how dumb were the kids underneath. You? No, no, just listen, listen. So I got a certificate from Riverdale Elementary. I'm going to go find it today, or my mom's sick, so I'm going to go not this weekend. She doesn't want to get sick, so she told me to stay away. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go find that certificate or it's like, a, you know, it says, thank you for being a tutor, at, you know, whatever it said on there. I don't know how I remember this. All of a sudden, just re- I remembered it. What grade was this in? I was a tutor in fourth grade. People eat glue. <laughs> <laughs> so I was teaching kids like to not th- eat glue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then and then what's what's up for crazy about even more crazy. At one of the graduation ceremonies, before we walked out to the thing to see everyone graduate from Riverdale, that whatever year it was, I remember this mom coming up to me because I was tutoring a kid that couldn't read. And she, and then all of a sudden he could read. Oh. Right? And I was like, and she was so like, because I, I just remember always getting beaten up by my brothers. Not like, phys- like not like a mean way, but like, I'd be like rapping the words and I was trying to read my book, you know, mm-hmm, like they were yeah. and they would smack in the head. So I told the kid, read it like this. And I taught him how to read it like that. And then his mom came to me and was like, you taught my son how to read. Thank you so much. Blah, blah, blah. I was like. So wait, let me get this straight. I'm being serious. So <laughs> in 43 years of your life, your two accomplishments are <laughs> helping a special needs kid. They wasn't special needs. He was, he was in regular fourth grade or third selling grade. alcohol to alcoholics. Um, a lot of people buy alcohol that aren't alcoholics. But I'm saying you buy you alcohol. Got, 
very rarely. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, your repeat offenders are probably alcoholics. I mean, people are on this post that he made about his little award. Hey, like he you know cured, what? You're not going to take this away like from he me. He cured cancer or some shit. <laughs> this one motherfucker. This one motherfucker was like, he's like, he's like, suck it, Tony. I'm like, what the fuck did he do, Tony? <laughs> I'm like, fuck you, first of all. Oh no, oh, man. But funny. like, no, I was like, so when I didn't ever know I was even up there to win. And you always talk about how your coworkers suck. So, hey, I never said that on the podcast yeah, before. There's plenty of episodes. Raul loves his coworkers. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, they're not as good as me, and they know that. But like, the yeah. whole thing is like you're doing your job. No, I do my job to like expansional. Like, but anyways, it doesn't matter. You I should, gotta know. You should strive for doing stuff for yourself to make yourself proud. When I got instead the, of your company. When I got the trophy, are you listening to what I'm saying? Yeah. No, you're not. That's what you need to be proud of is something for yourself, not an achievement for some other company. They'll get rid of you in a fucking second. Who gives a fuck about a trophy? You should be proud of your own accomplishments, your personal accomplishments. That's what you need to start striving for. Well, no, you're right. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, and the trophy is cool, but like, you know, it, it's all we always all uh, we already know if I fuck up bad enough, you know, I'm gone. Like, right. you know. Unfortunately, they just have to let go. Well, of something. it's not even like even fuck up. Just like the world we're living in right now, I it's die, like you know, it's, yeah. they're looking for cuts for everything. Like, hey, we need to cut this person because we're spending too much money. They may be a good employee, but they're yeah. expendable. But like, so that's what I'm saying. You need to start striving for self to make you better. No, you're right, one hundred percent. I definitely agree with it. Like that thing you sent me yesterday, that you didn't respond to. <laughs> oh, did you respond to it? Yeah, you saw oh. it. You said it says scene. Oh. I don't know. Sometimes I look at my phone. Like my, my, no, it was I, on Instagram. No, I know, but you, I, when you look at the message on your... Oh, uh, I do that so bad. See, and then I felt bad because I forgot. See, I really did. But yeah. no, you're right. Your message is right. And you know what you just said, that I need to do more things for myself that are accomplishments to improve myself. Yeah, no doubt. You know, and I'm working... I'm definitely working on it. I got, I got a psychologist or... Psych, wait. What's the one that can't write a prescription? Psychologist. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm doing that. That can or cannot. Cannot. Cannot, yeah. Okay, I'm doing that. You know, uh, I've gotten my, you know, I'm working on my drinking. I've gotten pretty decent at it. You know, yeah. like I had a couple of beers yesterday, nothing like before I would have had like a case, you know, like, you know, but um, those, I'm just, you know, working towards that. Working, yeah. out, working on relationships with people. Being able to remember what people told me from last weekend now, next time I see these, this, this person or whatever, if they bring it up, I'm like, oh, yeah, man, you know, yeah, that's, you know, it's not going to like, I'm about to fake it. Yeah. I don't remember what the fuck they're talking about, you know? Well, you can remember, like, how good it felt to receive an award to get salesperson of the year, right? Mm-hmm. And now you've achieved that, so now you take the next step. Because I think one of the best things that I've ever done for myself, like Tony was saying, like, set goals for myself. And achieve them. Um, And then when you start setting goals for yourself, too, you have to realize one of the best advice I've I've ever been given is to also imagine the things in between. They're going to suck to get there because, like, you're already prepared for it. Like, you know, like, uh, this is going to be really difficult to do. Like, I'm not going to want to do this. But you mentally prepare yourself for it. And then that way, when those tough times come up, 
you've already been there in your head because like your brain really doesn't know the difference between like reality and just the thought. So when you've already mentally prepared yourself for it, when you reach that obstacle, you're like, hey, I've already been here before. So you don't kind of like throw your hands up and give up. You're already ready for it. So you keep moving forward. Yeah. And so you just remember how good it feels just to have received an award and be like, oh, I want more of that. Like I want to keep chasing that. Those small goals. Like I remembered every conversation from this weekend and that was awesome and just remembering the feeling you get from it and holding on to that and envisioning all the difficult and mundane because a lot of life is pretty mundane it's not always like sitting in a podcast it's room not- with awesome people and doing <laughs> cool things like a lot of times you're just sitting there watching netflix yeah. so and just kind of walking yourself through all of that in your head preparing yourself for it um, so when the big stuff does come, you don't back down from it. You keep going forward. Another one I'm sorry, I've been working on, we not just started all this shit, was is um, being in the conversation. Mm. Like paying attention. Like right now, I can do it easily because, you know, we're all having a conversation together. Yeah. But You like, just didn't listen to what I was saying a second ago. <laughs> no, I heard it. I was just not paying attention to it. He was listening and he opted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, like, I, so like. Um, looking at the person like when they're talking or mm. where I'm talking or like, you know, if I was talking to tell, tell them, hey, yeah, you know, but like listen to them, uh, eye contact, that thing, that's going to be a hard one for me to, I mean, I'm working on it, but it's going to be a hard one for me to overcome because when I was at Riverdale, I used to get paddled for not looking at my teachers when I, when I was talking to them, what? when I wouldn't talk, when I would talk to them, I wouldn't. So that's how that started. And they're like, hey, why don't you look, you look at me when I'm talking, you know, like that. I'm like, no, you know, whatever. And then, you know, whatever. But that's going to be a harder one for me. But I am more in the conversation because one of our friends told Tony that uh, she she thought that I don't even pay attention to what she says or anything. Like when I talk, when she's talking to him and I was like, that's not true. I pay attention to her, you know, mm-hmm. but maybe not actually looking at her or, you know. But if you're on your phone when you're out with people, they're going to assume you're uninterested in what they're saying well no you got no and that's also one of the things i'm really not taking my phone out as much yeah it's like why post memes and stories on articles when you're out with a group of people right (laughs) you're supposed to designate a time to do that (laughs) it's like why even go out just stay home and do that yeah that's something we learned about actually in yoga teacher training like active listening Mm -hmm. because most of the time we are just listening to reply instead of like actually listening to the person. And then also in my future profession, that's something that they're going to coach us through, like actually hear them. You don't just like let the words go in and out. And then that also is another thing. Um, when you're out and you're drinking and stuff like that, it's really hard to have more of those genuine connections and conversations because everyone's just kind of blabbing and not fully in their body, yeah. fully in the present moment. Um, so, yeah, but that's just something that I think all of us need to work on because just us as human beings, as Americans, we're all like, oh, this was my accomplishment. This is what were yours? Oh, cool. Well, I did this. Like maybe always trying to one up each other instead of just genuinely listening, being excited, and then expressing your own accomplishments or what happened in your day or whatever it is. Yeah, it's like the Stoics say, it's like, uh, that's why we're giving two ears and one mouth. Yeah. You're supposed to absorb everything and then not just spew out a bunch of bullshit. What exactly is the Stoic? Like, I mean, you were talking to Sid about it, too. 
Like I see your posts, but like I don't know what like are those like Roman people or something? No, they're like philosophers. Oh. Mm-hmm. So I haven't taken my philosophy class yet. That's this coming semester, <laughs> but <laughs> But yeah, like there's a lot of that they talk about that is good. I mean, it's stuff from like thousands of years ago that still pertain to today. Was this on like the Roman people? Like No, they're like Greek philosophers. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's crazy that that stuff is still relevant today. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, most stuff is just regurgitated bullshit. Totally. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't have any real ideas. Everything, even the words we're using are somebody else's words that we're just putting together, you know, in our own context. But we don't really have any original ideas. That's why I always say religion is really just like creation narratives. And we learn that in literature, you know, it's just like they're started with like a beginning of the time story that the first human beings came up with and then uh, we got wiser and like started to notice other things. And then, like you said, it was just regurgitated with a little more added on to it. And then we became like the uh, complicated, sophisticated human beings that we are now. And we all started splitting, especially after like the black plague where um, people realized that these holy figures that apparently were like little gods and stuff like that also died. So Mm -hmm. they're like, I smell some bullshit. (laughs) And so they started all coming up with their own stuff. So it's all just, yeah, it's all just started from somewhere and regurgitated with everyone's own little spin on it. Because so much of the religion, like, especially in the, uh, in the East and stuff like that, like Asia and stuff, like they have so many things in common with each other, like Buddhism, Hinduism, Zoism, you know, all that stuff. Like, there's it's like okay we're gonna take some of yours add it to ours mm-hmm. you can have some of ours like some they're all three sitting together like oh but let's they, change that a little bit because yeah. i want to use it you know it's like just be a good person amen right? like tony all says the time. all the time just be a good person yeah. good, be a good human to each other kindness goes a long way i mean it's like even like you said you mentioned your dad it's like nobody knows what somebody's going through so it's just like if you could just take your time to be like the golden rule do unto others like you want done to you you know, it's just like just simple shit, man. It's just just be nice. And it doesn't take anything to be nice. Right. I was actually told once. So these two guys were arguing in Blind Bear over religion. You know, the what's like the three things you're not supposed to argue about in a bar? And they were definitely <laughs> yeah. breaking one of those rules. Yeah. And I'm serving both of them. One's atheist. One's extremely Christian. And I came up between them and I was like, hey, look, at the end of the day, like, Let's just try our best to be a good person. And then the Christian guy looks at me and he was like, well, you're going to hell. And I was like, excuse me? (laughs) And I was like, did you just tell me that I am going to hell? And he said, well, I'm not saying that, but the Bible does say that. Why would you be going to hell? Because I... I'm not Christian, basically. Uh, Yeah, like that was his only reasoning. I'm not Christian. I don't read the Bible. I don't go to church. And I was just like, I don't think that I can really subscribe to something that tells me if I don't follow all these rules exactly, that I'm going to burn for eternity? Like, what? And then if I do make it into heaven, the good place, whatever, then I still have to serve this dude for forever? I don't don't know about all that. It doesn't make sense about like people that are like super Christian because they're so judgmental, but Christ is telling you to love everybody. Yeah. I find it funny. So how do you forget that part of the Bible 
<laughs> when you're judging somebody. Oh, you just use like the parts of the Bible that you want that serves your purpose at that particular time. I mean, like even they talk about like Jesus hung out with prostitutes and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then people demean sex workers or people that yeah. are doing something that doesn't fit into their narrative. It's a just stop, man. Man, I say all the time that I think Jesus was probably like one of the coolest guys ever. You yeah, know, like think about hookers and shit. Yeah, you know, like, like, imagine like a modern day Jesus. Like he would definitely be like smoking weed, tripping oh, trips, yeah. going to <laughs> yoga, like spreading the message. Like this dude's really enlightened, you know. Yeah. But like uh, this generation would be like, oh, he's so woke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave Chappelle has a bit. He's like, Jesus was supposed to be perfect, and he was murdered. Mm-hmm. So it's like if this man's the epitome of perfection and people still don't like him, what are we going to do? Because yeah. we're all imperfect. So it's just like, you know, I don't know. I just think that, like I said, just go back to the kindness thing and just be good. And I think a lot of shit will be wiped out. Less problems because if like even if you think about religion and wars, it's all people getting bloodshed over for what? Over yeah. a book. Right. You know, I you mean, think yours is better than mine. Like yeah. I grew up Joe's Witness and like we would go knocking on people's doors, basically tell them that their religion was shit and ours was better <laughs> than theirs. And it's like, how is that even a thing? Yeah. I mean, just imagine how much better of a place this world would be if we just all agreed on that. You know, like what if instead of fighting each other, killing one another, we were like, hey, I'll trade you this for that, you know, and like work together and I always think about this, and I just don't understand where we went so wrong in that. What made us fight each other instead of loving one another and working together? Because, like, I mean, really, just, like, imagine, like, the resources and the abundance and the beauty and just if we all just work together, we're kind to one another and realize that we are really all just one being we're all i mean you're taught in what seventh eighth grade that we're all made up of atoms and everything yeah. in the universe is made up of atoms therefore we are all one being part of the same collective and yet we treat each other like we're separate and this illusion of separateness is created um when really we're just one whole and I, so i just don't understand where we got lost and how we can bring it back to that working together to make a community um And not just in the United States, but like worldwide. And I know that probably sounds crazy, but I think it probably starts with, like we were talking about, that one small act of kindness, Mm -hmm. that ripple effect. Um, What was that movie? Pay It Forward. I can't remember. Haley Joel Osment was in it, maybe. Mm. Anyways, it's like one small act of kindness. Um, Maybe someone's in a bad mood and you're nice to them. And then uh, that makes them feel better. And they're nice to the next person. It just kind of has this ripple effect all throughout. Um, So maybe, you know, just starting in like your little corner and letting that spread. And who knows what could happen. And we're all fighting over some man-made bullshit. Yeah. Like money's man made. I mean, everything on this oh table gosh, is man made. Yes. So it's just like if you can just get back to like core shit. I mean, just look at how people were acting over toilet paper in 2020. <laughs> what a time. Just imagine if food and water goes away, how people are going to turn into fucking animals. Mm-hmm. So I, that's where the community is very important. You need a, like a strong tribe. And I think a lot of us are just so sectioned off and it's me, 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 me. I got to mm-hmm. have this. I want what the other person has. Like even what you were talking about, like, Nigeria and how like those people are happier. Like some of the poorest places I've been to are the happiest Happy. people mm-hmm. because they're not 
inundated with all the shit that they feel like they need. They're just happy with what they have. And to us, they seem poor and miserable, like as far as just from their, their living situation. But like I said, they're the most genuine, happiest people I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, because they live in this community where they're all relying on one another for survival and yeah. like, they're just happy, like truly happy. It's like everyone has a role in the mm-hmm. in the not village or wherever they live, you know, like they all have a role. This guy does this, this lady does this, and that's it. And, you know, everyone's happy. Yeah, I think something that's interesting, like you, we can look at nature um, for a lot of answers to our seemingly just human problems. Um, bees. They all work together for one common goal, and they've been around for 150 million years. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm just saying they have a queen, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's funny how we are. I think, I don't know what the, I, there needs to be, like, a collective, like, people like, hey, let's get together and just stop this bullshit. I don't know what the answer or how that starts, but like <clears> you said, I guess it starts with, in your corner of the world. Mm-hmm. It's like the, you know, like the pay it forward thing. Like you mentioned earlier, you know, you do something for nice and somebody, and then possibly they'll do it for somebody else and just butterflies effects into everybody. But I don't know. I wish, I wish we could get like a reset somehow. Yeah. I think that all the time. Um, and I think maybe we are headed towards that reset. It seems like things are going to shit mm-hmm. when really Maybe that's kind of what needs to happen because you think about uh, most people before they can build themselves back up, they have to hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. I know that's how I started. Like I had to hit rock fucking bottom to be able to build myself back up. And maybe that has to happen like on a large scale, which will be extremely difficult for a lot of us for a very long time. And that's why it hasn't happened yet and why so many people are against things that are happening because it's scary and it is going to be hard. But healing in any aspect is not easy, Mm. period. You got to tear it down. You got to start from the beginning. You got to go through some tough shit to get to that light at the end of the tunnel. Um, But also during that hard times when we can come together again, I'd be like, hey, we got now we have to rely on one another. Now we have we don't have a choice and build that community. And maybe it's something that we won't get to see the benefits of in our generation because this is going to take a long time. But, you know, maybe like for me, like uh, my niece and my nephews will get to experience that and then maybe their children. So we got to start somewhere else. We, us as a species aren't going to make it. Yeah, it's like this thing I saw one day. It said, uh, one person says, what What can I do about that? It says 7 billion people. Oh, or I guess wow, 8 billion people good. now. Mm. And like if, if one person changes that mindset and says, well, I can do something about that, then maybe it'll help other people. Like I always quote this Tupac quote. He said, I may not change the world, but I guarantee you I'll spark the brain of the person that will. Yeah. And it's just That's like, beautiful. don't be selfish because you're not going to fucking do something to help somebody else out. Like, be a good example of telling somebody, hey, a younger person, hey, do this. This is what I experienced with life lessons. And then your life won't be as hard as what I had to deal with. And I know when you're young, sometimes you don't want to listen to people because you think you know everything because we've all yeah. been there. <laughs> but uh, I think you can at least try to give somebody some words of encouragement. Well, it's like you said, everyone coming together a second ago, you know, look at the people in Ukraine. Like they got invaded by Russia. 
Yeah. Like so many more, millions of more people live in Russia than other troops and everything, right? And they just came and invaded them and they all stuck together. That's how they're surviving over there. Yeah. Well, I heard also that Russia has like really antiquated uh, weaponry. Weaponry. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I guess they Antiquated have like cold, means old? Yeah, they have okay. like cold war uh, shit. That's what I'm going <laughs> Yeah, it means old. But like, it's just like old, like really old shit. And then, the, you know, like other nations have been helping out Ukraine. Yeah. So. <laughs> Russia was like, finally. <laughs> we're going to get them. And then. We've been saving these weapons. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, the thing is, when, I, when this first happened like over a year ago now, I'm like, has it been a year? Or whatever it is, right? I'm like, okay, Russia's going to yeah, go in there. February will be a year. Yeah, like, man, they, wow. they're just fixing to go in there and take it, and that's going to be part of the U, uh, USSR again, you know, whatever. Because that's coming for Russia. Mm-hmm. Communism is coming back there, I think. That's what they're doing, you know? Right. Like, they might, they may show, like, their uh, democracy like we are. But I guarantee you say anything against the government or Putin over there, you're dead. Yeah, that's more of like a dictatorship, yeah. you know? Um, <laughs> the thing that always goes wrong with communism i think is that someone like it turns into a dictatorship and that's where it kind of goes a little bit wrong um and then democracy for us ended up being more of a business for you know people to get people that are already rich making money off people like us yeah you know? because war when there's war every, the people evolve are getting rich exactly you know? oh, that's what kills me and like <laughs> so us giving ukraine the 50 billion the people that the equipment and stuff that went along with that, whoever owns that company, those companies making the war machines and stuff, exactly. they just made bank also, right? Because now the U.S. is reordering for the next shipment. Have then, you all seen that and, movie? It's, a, I think, War Dogs. It's Jonah Hill and yeah. Miles Teller. I don't think I have seen that one In yet. the very oh, beginning so of the movie, good. they show, like, all these different, uh, like, utility, uh, like, arms and, like, guns and all this other shit like that. And then, like, what do you see? And people are like, well, I just see a gun, bullets, or whatever. And he's like, I see dollar signs. Mm-hmm. And they like mm-hmm. label off everything that is this, uh, you know, shown in the video. The guy that we gave up for Brittany Griner, mm-hmm. um, he that's that's the movie about him. Oh, was it a? What did you say? What was the movie called? I think it's called War Dogs. Oh, War Dogs. One of the movies that he's uh, he's the arms dealer, the international arms dealer that we traded to get. Uh, Maybe you're Pretty talking about, like, Lord of War. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Maybe I think that's what I'm talking about. Okay. But, like, you know, he, millions and millions of guns, you know, how these people do this shit is crazy. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, you got, like, a banana shipping coming in that's uh, right underneath the top layers, AK-47s for the Taliban or whatever, you know? Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? Like, Yeah. That's something that, like, just upsets me so much about war it's like people like uh because i come from a family that has lots of military background um so like people like our family our friends our brothers our sisters are the ones that go off to fight and sometimes die to put money in these people's pockets who are living in their mansions and like staying safe and that always drives me crazy you know the united states started with uh you know, George Washington actually fought in his wars and stuff yeah. like that. And now the president, like, if we were getting bombed, he'd be the safest one. And I'm like, and then our people would be the ones going out to fight to sacrifice their life. And for what? It's like they sold a dream. Like, they that's do. bullshit, right? Because mm-hmm. 
nothing's going to happen to the president of America ever, right? Well, I mean, he could get assassinated, don't get me wrong. But, like, <laughs> if a war was coming, he'd be in that bunker and, mm -hmm. you know, he'd be safe. There's millions of people supporting him, you know. But, like, like you said, your brother or your family member that's on that front line in Iraq or wherever they are, they might not come home. Yeah. You know, like, it's sad. Because yeah, every president has blood on their hands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In some shape or form. Either mm -hmm. you killed somebody in another country or you sent somebody over and they died. Yeah. And that just all goes back to, like, what if we just didn't fight each other? Like, yeah. why? I just don't understand why that's just, like, such a crazy idea. Like, what if we just didn't fight? And I, and I know it's because over time we've these leaders, and I'm not just talking in America. I'm literally talking about all over yeah. the world. Uh, these leaders have become so power hungry. It's like, I want all the land. I want all the power. I want all the weapons. So when did we go from, you know, wanting more abundance as far as like, um, I think about how the natives did it with like crops and healthier air and stuff to these material things of quote unquote importance that you can't take with you when you're gone. Mm -hmm. And what and what kind of think about for the future generations, what kind of difference is having the most weapons gonna have as opposed to the most crops or you know, like spiritual abundance or whatever it is. So what are you really doing for future generations with these wars other than creating like an unlivable hostile planet? They're creating more soldiers for the to fund their pockets, right? Their that, you pockets, know, like because yeah. You know, it's probably like, I mean, I know it's probably not true, but like Biden might call up King Jong-un. What is the guy's name? <laughs> hey, send a, send a missile up in the air or something. We need to get some money for our boys. We need some money. <laughs> yeah, we need yeah. some money over here. My, my boy's sucking dry over here. He lost $100 million, you know? Dude, that's Boom. Cool. All it is is, and then the government will order from whoever the contract is with. And then boom. Like, you know, when it was Bush and Cheney. Cheney owned Hilliburton or whatever. Mm -hmm. And and that's who we use for every contract. Like, yeah. it was insane. Yeah, that's what I always tell people. Like, uh, political affiliation, fiercely independent, because unless you are part of the 1%... You're getting screwed over. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so, I don't care if you're a Trumper or this or that. We're too low at the totem pole for us to make a difference. But we can go vote, right? But everyone's fucking us, right? It doesn't mm -hmm. matter who the president is or whatever country you live in. Yeah. It feels like you can't trust If you're not making millions of dollars a year, you don't matter, man. Like, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Well, you matter to us, you right. know, to each yeah. other. You know, like, we matter to each other. But, like, outside of that, like, outside of your village, no one cares. Yep. Yep. And until we can create kind of more of a society where we do actually care about one another. Cause that's another thing that uh, these political parties are always running off of their platforms and stuff. And I'm like, I don't even believe that you truly feel that way. You just want to get votes and have that power, you know, and it, and it sucks to really feel that way, but we've kind of gotten to that place. Um, but yeah. So if we could like actually create, communities and leaders that are more about the common good than their own selfish needs, then we'd be a lot better off. I just think that greed is what ends up corrupting a lot of people. Like they get, maybe some people go in with good intentions, but then these special mm -hmm. interest groups get in their pockets and say, Hey, if you vote this way, I'll give you this kind of money. Is that the lobbyist people? Yeah. Like, so it's for like, guns and stuff like that. Or just, yeah, I mean, anything. just anything. I mean, so I think it's, and like I said, it just goes back to, it's something that somebody made up a long time ago that we still follow in line with. 
Somebody saw something shiny and thought it was valuable. Yeah. Like some shiny rock. And then we turn that to paper and now cards, you know, credit cards or whatever it is to buy stuff. It's like that whole fight club thing. It's like we all want this stuff that ends up owning us. And it's like, for what? Like you said, you can't take it with you when you go. So, like, what's the point of, like, hoarding all this shit? Mm -hmm. Like, what is a real core thing that's really important? I saw somebody said one time, like, how many summers do you think you have left? Somebody's like, what are you talking about? Like, how many summers do you think you have left? And the person's like, shit, maybe 20? When we start thinking about life like that, is that stuff really that important that you're worrying about that you're hoarding? You know, it's really not. Like, memories and time and that's the thing you should be focusing on. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it sometimes it just needs something. Something has to happen catastrophic in somebody's life before they have that realization. Like you said, hitting rock bottom. Sometimes you have to hit rock bottom. Like, man, I I skated through this. I, I got through this. Now I need to figure out how to not get to that level again. Yeah. You know, I have met like one person in my life before. Um, it was at a yoga retreat. We're all sitting down talking about our shared life experiences, our traumas and stuff. And this woman looks at me. She said, I've never really had any trauma. And I was like, really? She's like, sometimes I feel guilty because of it. I was like, no, that means your family has done it right. Mm -hmm. You know, someone before you has done the work. Someone has done something. And you can, and that's what we're trying to create here, right? Maybe like that one generation before her hit that rock bottom to create a better life for her. And, you know, that's what we should all be trying to do. Like maybe I had to hit my rock bottom and I had to struggle for a long time, but and I don't know if I'm ever going to have any kids or anything, but maybe like my niece and my nephews can see that and what my sisters went through and um, be like, wow, I'm so glad that they endured that so that I could live this life, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that's, I think that's a really beautiful thing. Not everybody has to hit their rock bottom all the time. I mean, everyone has their own personal ways of doing it, but yeah. Do you feel like you had to put on a face for people? Like, or is that just your personality? Like, are you always bubbly or did you have to like mask it up a little bit when you were in your dark spots? Hmm. I think. Cause like, if you looked at somebody, I would never be like, oh, Mary's, Mary's never depressed. What the fuck are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. Cause you're always so fun. Like when we see you and stuff like, Hey guys, so introducing and welcoming, you know, I think, um, when I'm around other people, I don't necessarily feel it as much. It's when you're alone. That's why they tell you not to isolate yourself mm. um, because that's when it can really get dark and people don't really ever show that face to the world. Um, so that's something I struggled with. I was like, how did I not know like about my dad? Like, How did I not know that he was that sick? And then one day, you know, you realize that. It's because around me and my sisters, who were his happiness in life, around his family, he loved his family. He did feel happiness. Mm. He did feel good. Um, So it was kind of hard to see how bad it was. And I think that's something that happens with a lot of people. Um, Because I don't feel like I have much of an issue being like, you know, I just haven't been feeling so great lately. Um, But my natural personality is just to be a little bubbly and stuff like that. And maybe when I get home, I feel more drained. And then I'm like, I got to sip some tea. I got to nap. You know, Um, I personally never felt pressured to put on a face, but I could feel guilty sometimes if it felt like it was prolonged, Mm. you know, like 
oh, these people are sick of hearing about this. You know, people, they don't want to hear about this. They're tired of me whining, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, that's not true. There's always that thing like, I'd rather hear about your problems than go to your funeral. Mm, yeah. I said something to this guy the other day. I said, uh, I said, it's good to see you. And he said, it's better to be seen than viewed. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my gosh. I told my granddad before he passed, he asked me how I was doing. And I was like, man, it's been a little hard. You know, I've been to a lot of funerals lately. He said, that's a good thing. So, granddad, what are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? He said, well, it means it's not your funeral. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That's true. Smart man. <laughs> Yeah, and he passed not long after that. But I thought about him saying that. I said, it's not mine, granddaddy. Because <laughs> that day is coming for all of us. It is. So it's like you might as well just try to live this life the best you possibly can. Yeah. Uh, like can... Like I said, they say dark days are coming. Either somebody we love is going to pass away or we're going to pass away. Or something traumatic is going to happen. So to try to not always just focus on the doom and gloom of life. Because if you look for it, it's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. But you can also do the opposite and look for something good. I remember I was at work one day. This is like 2014. And I was like, man, what's going on? This Nothing's working. Like, this is going to be a bad day. And I remember having a conversation with myself. And I was like, why am I thinking that way? Right. Like, don't think like that. Because like, it's like they say, if you look for like a bug, a slug, a bug or whatever, like or a yellow car, or when you buy a vehicle, you see them all the time. So it's like you have to shift your mindset. And I, I think we can shift it, but I don't think it's easy. It's always, like they say, it's always easier on the outside looking in. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you can do this, you can do that. But you have to be able to have some self-reflection and be able to do the work involved with, you know, shifting your mind into a more positive way of thinking. And it's another thing I saw, too. It's like your diet's not just what you consume, but as far as food, but what you listen to, who you surround yourself with. Because if you're around a bunch of negative people and people are just like, woe is me, you'll start, you know, absorbing some of that. Yeah, that's very true. What is it called when you see, like, when you buy your car and then you see your car everywhere? What is it? What? I don't know what the term. Because when I got the Tigon, I see those things. I never, you know, you never paid attention, right? I see them everywhere now. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, they're everywhere. Yeah, I don't know if there's a specific name for it. Yeah. Um, but I always tell people that death can be life's greatest teacher. Because, you know, a lot of people avoid it because mm-hmm. it's terrifying. Um, I deal with existentialism a lot. Something I was experiencing um, for a while and still do every now and then is waking up in the middle of the night panicking because I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to die one day and there's nothing that I can do about it. And then when it's put right in front of your face, when someone you really care about, someone you love is gone, and then that realization, I am never going to see this person again. Mm -hmm. It hits hard. Um, But once you start to face it and look at it, be like, well, I can't run from it. I can't avoid it. There's literally nothing that I can do about this. Like, I am going to die. You really start to, like, live more. You're like... So I started putting things into perspective. I'll be 30 in April. If I live to be 100, I've got, what, like 70 years left. How do I want to fill the last 70 years of my life? What can I do to make sure that when I leave this earth and go on to whatever is next, because we don't know, Mm -hmm. no matter what. We try to make sense of it, and we just can't, because we just don't know. What can I do to make sure that I don't leave with any regrets. When I'm on that deathbed, I can sit there and go, man, 
I did it all. I really lived this life. And there might not be anything on the other side, but that's okay because I did it all here and I'm okay with going. Or, you know, if you do believe there's something on the other side, you're like, I cannot wait to get there because I've done it all here. So you fill your life up with all the things that are really important to you. You have more meaningful moments. It's another reason that I cut alcohol out of my life because I don't want to miss out on anything. If I only have 70 years left, I don't want to miss out on any of it, the good, the bad. I want to experience it. I want to feel it. And I like truly want to live it. I always say like living fully doesn't mean you're just happy all the time because you're not happy all the time. Like that's impossible. You have really difficult times because we're human and that's just the way that it goes. So if you're only happy, you're only half alive. If you're only sad, you're only half alive. And when you bring the two experiences together to really live, then you're living fully. You learn from those bad times. You grow from the bad times. And you really soak up those good times to make it all worth it because it's limited. Yeah. And death is inevitable. And learning to accept that, like I said, death is life's greatest teacher if you allow it. And it's scary. Full disclosure, it's so scary. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think like the best thing you do is like create good memories because that's Mm -hmm. what all we're going to have of the people once they're gone. Mm -hmm. And I know like it's always funny, like before I turn 30, you're like, oh man, that's old. Yeah. You're like, oh man, I want to be 30. Or I don't (laughs) be 50 or whatever. But then when you hear about somebody 30 or 50, the dying, you're like, oh, they were so young. Yeah. So why is it not young until somebody passes away? You know, it's like as long as you're breathing, you're young compared to somebody that's dead. You know, so. Yeah, true. I agree. Never looked at it that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I always think like I used to think 30 was old and now I'm about to be 30. (laughs) And I feel younger than I ever have in my entire life. I feel so exuberant, full of life and ready for what's next. And then I think about people that are 50 and I'm like, gosh, they're still so young. And then Mm. I'm like this spunky 70 year old lady. I'm like, she's still so young. And I'm like, so what is old? It's a state of mind. Yeah. There's a man that I graduated uh, yoga teacher training with. His name is Ted. Um, he was in his 70s, and he graduated yoga teacher training. It's truly amazing. And he teaches at um, uh, what are they? nursing homes and stuff like that. Uh, he says, it's not how old you are. It's how you're old. Mm. And that's something that's just like really stuck with me. It's like, yeah, that's right. Like You can be... 97 years old and still be filled with so much life and spunk and still just, you know, lots of life to live, lots of things to do. Yeah. It's the mindset is a, it's huge. Uh, It's it's everything. I mean, and we don't know enough about the brain, but to try to just, like I said, to just reset it to, to thinking good and thinking positive is, is the most important thing because negativity is just, it's soldiering. Like you don't want to be around those people. Like they're just energy vampires. Mm-mm. It's like I, I'm not here long enough to deal with your shit. Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, get the fuck away from me. Do you guys think that we'll ever? Well, maybe probably not in our lifetimes. But like, do you think they'll eventually find like what is causing people to have sicknesses in their brain, like mental disorders and stuff? I don't think so. Like mm. ever? Like mm. in the history of humankind? No, I mean we. I don't don't think we can wrap our heads around it. Mm. Yeah. um, You think about, so like, obviously, like, we know, like, 
when people are depressed, they have a dip in like uh, dopamine, yeah. serotonin and stuff like that. We know where it comes from, but you know what causes it. Um, but I think something that's truly fascinating, schizophrenia is something that is widespread all over the world. So like um, something like an eating disorder is very unique to certain regions. Um, but schizophrenia everywhere mm. like everyone all over the world doesn't matter if you're poor if you're rich uh n- nothing nothing matters and they don't know where it comes from what causes it or anything like that like you they know that you can be triggered um so i just think that's really fascinating there's really it's just one of those phenomena that we experience in this world that uh it can be genetic but that's about all they know yeah well, like even like Elon Musk in this neural link that he's trying to do. And it's like, dude, you can't even get your cars not to run people over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, and, then, and, and then where's your fucking truck at? The cyber truck. Cyber truck, the, the fucking t- uh, um, sports car. The, yeah, the roadster. Yeah, the roadster. I mean, yeah. he's barely running Twitter properly. Yeah. I think well, people are realizing that guy is not as intelligent as he masked himself to be. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of like, you know, he made a post on the Twitter, his Twitter saying, if you don't want me as CEO of Twitter, vote yes or whatever, you know, like vote me off. And every, like a lot of people voted that we don't want you as CEO. <laughs> and he's still there. Yeah. We're like, you're not doing so great. Did you my see dude. that Tom from MySpace was like, I should be the CEO of my uh, Twitter. No, I did not <laughs> yeah, say that. I was like, that'd be Bring so, it back. Yeah. <laughs> what God. would be your Twitter song if it like went back to MySpace? <laughs> Man, I don't ever know. Maybe the song from Columbia that I love. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it was a theme song. I, we, I probably heard it 700 times in three, four days. Mm-hmm. And now when I hear it, it just triggers me. It just takes me back. Like, it's so much, it was such a great song. So is that is, a Bad Bunny song? No, it's somebody else. It's, um, you know, let me look. It is. It's a drug song, Mary. Oh, <laughs> it used to be one of my party songs. I'm sure I've heard it. Like I'll start having flashbacks. It's like, uh, da, 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 that's how like the beat goes. Um, when I had MySpace back in the day, this is so funny. Also kind of embarrassing. So there was this guy that I was dating and this girl and me were like always in a fight about this guy. Turns out the guy was just like kind of a piece of shit. Like surprise, surprise me and the girl ended up being friends and like now look like that's so silly. But anyways, I remember changing my profile picture to a picture of me and him kissing. Mm -hmm. And my song was boom. I got your boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) This is the song. Can you play the first part of it, please? Let me make sure I got it right. Yeah, this is it. Like, it's gonna bring out tequila twerking Mary. She's still down oh. in there. Yeah, <laughs> She's still yeah, in there. Boom. 
to keep playing it. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> so you were in Colombia listening to that? Yeah. You should have made a reel with that of like everything that you did. Because like with the headphones on and everything, I was like, oh, this feels like a movie. Like <laughs> we were at, I can't remember. We got there and there's a speaker in the Airbnb. And one of the guys we went with, he plugged his phone up and he started playing. Like one of the people that work at the house, I think they played it. Mm -hmm. And then that became the song for the four days we were there. Like it played from when everybody, before everybody woke up to before everybody went to bed, it played 24 hours a day. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely drug related. I don't know what they're saying, but like, you (laughs) know, (laughs) but it's, it's catchy. And then DJ AD played it on Saturday at, um, New Year's Eve. Oh, did you lose your mind? I did. I did. I did, I did a little bit. I started recording. I was like, ah! This is my jam. <laughs> yeah, but everyone's playing it. And it's like a song that's like two years old. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't heard it before. Yeah, so I love it. I'm going to have to link that like in the podcast notes so <laughs> yeah. I can listen to it. <laughs> so what's next for you? Um... So it's going to take me a while, but um, I'm going to, I got to stop saying I want to and say that I am going to get my doctorate in psychology. Um, I'm still in the very beginning. I'm just a sophomore now, but the way I look at it is no matter what, I'm going to be 40. So might as well do something in the meantime. Um, and I'd really like to learn as much about this as possible. Um, and you know, if my path changes and I want to get more added to that, like a minor in something else, you know, I'm just going to keep building up that education. Um, my eventual goal, I want to lead yoga retreats, like long yoga retreats where we do breath work, meditation, obviously like yoga and do like actual counseling sessions. Mm. Um, Also very interested in psychedelic assisted psychotherapies. Uh, There are so many studies that have been shown the benefits and one of the main reasons it's legal is big pharma, you know, all that stuff. Um, But yeah, my life goal is always to... Never stop learning, never stop growing and loving. Mm. And as long as I'm doing that in life, I'm doing okay. Like you said, the time's going to pass regardless. So you might as well do something beneficial for yourself, either financially, physically, or mentally. Exactly. I just want to keep learning, growing, and loving in this life. Teaching yoga. I work at Memphis Spine Sport. I really enjoy that right now. Um, Learn a lot about the physical body there. So there's this whole... um, learning journey that I'm on that's physical, mental, and spiritual. And I just want to learn as much of that as I possibly can. Um, And then like share my healing journey. So someone else can see that and be like, oh, well, if she can do it, because like I said, I have been in and out of jail. I've been down (laughs) in the dumps. I have been straight up like an addict and everything like that. And I mean, I had love and support, but I did it all by myself to get to the point that I'm at now. And I just want to show other people, like, you have that within you. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to ignite that inner flame in someone else and them just start their journey. And then someone else see it and just make it kind of widespread because it is possible and everyone has that within them. Yeah, because sometimes you can do something and somebody may not acknowledge it to your like express it. Hey, you you showed me this, but they're watching you from afar. And then that might change their life. Yeah. You never know. Like you can hear a sentence from somebody and that's like, that's a shift that somebody needs to just start their life differently. 
Oh, yeah. Words are so powerful. I mean, like you said, just one sentence sticks with you and mm-hmm. you're like, and you cling to that all the time yeah. to help get you through. So are you big into psychedelics? Um, so <laughs> I actually started my healing journey. I always tell people that it was from a really bad panic attack. I don't always mention the fact that panic attack was brought on by, sci- was it psilocybin? Psilocybin. Psilocybin. Thank yeah. you. Um, I had this terrifying mushroom trip mm. and, uh, you know, a lot of people say like it's a bad trip, but there's really no such thing as a bad trip. I learn what it is. People are scared to trip because it brings up your trauma and that shit's scary, especially when you're in this almost like alternate universe. So um had this terrifying trip. Right. And I just started taking my clothes off because I felt uncomfortable. I was like, oh, my God, let me take my clothes off. I don't want to feel anything touching me. And then I was still uncomfortable. So I kind of like started you know, picking at my skin and I realized, oh my God, I am uncomfortable in my own skin. Mm -hmm. And at this point in my life, I was drinking a beer just to walk out the door. Like I was just an anxious mess and I couldn't get over it unless I was drinking. Um, So it's just like this vicious cycle, right? Uh, So then after I had that realization, I threw up so much, like more than I ever had my entire life. And after I came out of that, this voice in my head was like, you really need to love yourself more. And like, when was the last time you told yourself you love yourself? And I was like, wow, like never. And then I just had this whole experience where I'm sitting there and I'm holding myself and I'm like nuzzling myself, like my cheek against my own shoulder, like hugging myself. And it's like, hey, love yourself more, girl. Take care of yourself. And then I was like, so how can I deal with this without relying on alcohol or medication, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I wanted to start my journey and then go from there, kind of more natural path. And this weird little voice in my head goes, you should try yoga. Mm. And I was like, yoga? Okay. So I started the next day like watching YouTube videos on a little bit of a blanket um, that my grandmother had made. And uh that's when my journey started. So I I have full belief in the healing powers of psychedelics because I have experienced myself. Um, I did an entire research argument paper on psychedelics and the studies are there. The proof is there. I mean, like since the 60s, at least, maybe even before that, there has been success story after success story. And it is mind blowing that it is not widespread use therapy Um, because of course you do risk things happening in a bad trip if you don't have like professional guidance Mm -hmm. but to have a professional there to guide you through it and work you through that trauma you can potentially heal years worth of trauma in one session and it rewires your brain and it's just fascinating to me Um, but we aren't really worth much money to big pharma if we're healed. Yeah. Right. So they want to keep giving you the medications. And then the thing is like, if you take one medication that creates something called polypharmacy, and then let's say like you take Adderall, it'll give you uh, acid reflux and you have to take this medicine. And then Mm. acid reflux medication has been proven to have all these memory loss side effects. Like, okay, so you should take this. So you keep, 
having all these medications given to you instead of like actually getting to the root of the problem and you're making money for big pharma and so they want to keep you sick and that's really the only conclusion that I came up with in my research paper is you know it's definitely true like a cured patient is money lost Mm -hmm. right or whatever that saying is if I can't remember but like that's why big pharma is always going to keep on putting all this money into um, <clears throat> into the pockets of Congress people, congressmen and women, you know, like, unfortunately, that's just how they're always going to be around. And I don't think there's ever going to be a time unless there's a lot of change ever going to be a time when we can do um, we can do. um there's going to be change, right? Like yeah. what we can actually do uh, with farmer because it's just too much money, too much money, and in, and and the mushrooms and stuff. Like it's not going to be available to like normal people. Like sure, we have friends that grow it probably, or we can find it, you know. But that's different because there's soldiers and stuff, especially soldiers that need it for research. Mm-hmm. They need it. They, they need it for themselves for to heal. Yeah, I mean, it has just been really fascinating to actually do the research and see the actual results that it has had for people, long-lasting healing results that you just can't get from some of the medications that have been given. Um, Now, granted, they do work, but not as well as they could. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many different symptoms, and it's mental illnesses are so multifaceted that this one pill isn't going to solve it. Yeah. Um, it kind of suppresses it. Whereas psychedelics bring it to the surface and f- like make you deal with it and work through it. And I mean, I just think that that's why it continues to be illegal because I heard this quote not long ago. Um, we are profits, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is a business and the healed people don't make money for these businesses. They continue to get sicker and healed people don't make these businesses the money basically. That's true. So the only thing you've done is, is this mushrooms or have you done anything else? I've definitely done acid before too. And I got to say, that's probably one of the most fun drugs I've ever done in my life. Um, But that was more of like a party setting. I've done it like twice and it was so much fun. I remember like, dancing on the stage of purple haze and <laughs> i had this rose and i was like throwing the petals out into the crowd and i was just like on a completely different planet and uh this guy comes up to me he's like wow you can really dance i said mm, not usually but on this planet i can <laughs> and it was so much fun <laughs> yeah i believe in the healing power of mushrooms i definitely think it's true and i've known a lot of people that have done them in they just are completely like a 180. Yeah. You know, they're not the same person. And there's other things like I have a buddy of mine and he's re- he got into ayahuasca oh, and he yeah. did ayahuasca and he's completely different. Like he's lost a shit ton of weight. His whole mentality has shifted. Another of my friends just did, did it like two Thursdays ago or last Thursday. And he's like, I just got to unpack everything, man. He's like, it's altering my, my life completely. So I think there are healing benefits to this medicine that, you know, we, that a lot of people demonize. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, they want you to be scared of it. Yeah. They want, they like demonize these bad trips or really just like deep healing experiences. Yeah. 
Like I even told, we try to get Raul to do it, but he's he's afraid. I tell him we're gonna put in the line, and then he'll do it. You know, anything that goes up his (laughs) nose, he's okay with. But (sighs) you gotta try it, man. I do. It will probably be terrifying. If you're already terrified of it, it'll probably be terrifying. You'll come out of it changed. Have you tried, or have you heard of lemon teching? What is it? So lemon teching. My buddy Ben told me about it, but it's like you grind up the mushrooms. A couple of grams or whatever it is. Then you put lemon juice on it. Like, and then you drink the juice and it hits you harder and faster than a normal trip would. No, I've not heard of that. So that's my next thing. I want to try lemon, lemon teching. Cause I've done, I've done mushrooms. I've done DMT and I've done ayahuasca. And like out of them, all three of them, my favorite was DMT. Cause it's just like cool visuals and it's really quick. Yeah. My sister did it. She said it was insane. <laughs> yeah, you see some wild shit. But like I said, there's a lot of people that I know that have done these things and, and it's definitely beneficial for them. So that's awesome that, you know, you were able to come out the other side, you know, a better person from doing that medicine. Yeah. And there is a group of people working to make this knowledge uh, more widespread, you know, destigmatize the use of psychedelics as far as like as a healing tool. And it's called MAPS. And I want to get this right. It's Oh, I can't think. It's something to do with um, it's a group of people that work together basically to destigmatize and all that stuff. And I can't think of what the actual acronym stands for. Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelics something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. Well, because like I even know like there are so many people that have PTSD that's helped with depression. Yes. Um, there's a guy he's been doing this little circuit tour now. Like he did one trip of mushrooms and he's cured of alcoholism he doesn't drink mm-hmm. anymore so i mean there's just so many benefits of this stuff that um i wish more people could get that help yeah you know it's absolutely fascinating i think in the 60s is when they really started to ban it um they got scared of it basically yeah. or at least that was their excuse have and- you seen um or read the book how it was how to change your mind or how to change my mind it's by uh we brought it up if I can. I had the book, but I watched the thing on Netflix. Yeah, I watched a little bit of the thing on Netflix. It was one of those things that like, I kind of had on in the background. Yeah. Um, I think maybe I watched some of that. And also there was a TED Talk that someone did that I watched uh, for my research paper. And that's when I was just like, mind blown. Because, <laughs> you know, I had my own experience before I started doing this research. So to actually have these people that had done the research and had the data and the science and to validate me with something was like, oh my gosh, this is really something. And I'm working in a community to be able to make this knowledge more widespread. And hopefully one day in the future, when I have my degree, it will be something I'll be able to use as a tool. Um, But I do plan when I get to that point in my life to be in network with a psychiatrist that I trust, because I do understand that some people need that medication. Mm -hmm. Like, Especially like you think uh, like someone bipolar, schizophrenic or something like that. They need that. Okay. Um, But I want to be in network with a psychiatrist that I trust Mm -hmm. to know that they're not going to be just over prescribing to put more money in their pocket. Like I can be like, hey, like I've worked with this person and they need a little extra. They're they're really down right now. They could use that antidepressant to get them through this really tough time. Like give them what they need, give them the right dosage and we'll reconnect at some point, you know? Yeah, like I said, I I think... Because even they talk about the guy, one of the co-creators of AA, I think he had like some psychedelic trip and that helped him 
create AA. Really? And then it helped cure him of alcoholism. Alcoholism. And they don't talk about that enough. They always talk about the 12 steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was a lot of people they were giving. I, I can't remember which one it was, but maybe acid they were giving people. I can't remember. But it's in that thing on Netflix. But they were saying that so many people were getting cured. And then they were like, whoa, whoa, we don't want this anymore. So let's ban this shit. Mm-hmm. We're making it illegal. So, yeah. I mean, if, if people have been doing it for years upon years and years and years, and then you come along and like, hey, this is bad because you're greedy. You know, that's a problem. Yeah. I mean, you can't overdose on it. There is pretty much like no side effects whatsoever. But you think about everything that is prescribed for psychological disorders and things like that, and they are addictive. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the uh, effects wear off after a while. Like if you start a kid off on Adderall, by the time they're like 15, they need a higher dose, you know? Um, So, yeah, it's just like all that reliance and stuff like that. And uh, it's just like a fear tactic and – you can't make money off of it. They don't really yeah, want to give true. it to you. And that just kills me because, like, that just kind of goes back to, like, why can't we work together to make this place better and easier for everyone? Yeah, right. like, it's something that you can win an award off and somebody can, you know, die in a car accident is so readily available at gas stations. But something yeah. that can help you out is schedule one drug. Mm-hmm. Delta 8? No, no. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. It's it's something that, like I said, I wish more people could try it. And like you said, there is no bad trip. It's just something you need to you need to face. Yeah. You know, because like I've had them where one time I did it, I saw nothing but art. I saw this man surfing this mountain. It's great. And then another time I did, I saw nothing but death. But it wasn't (laughs) scary, though. You know, it's just it's a. I think it's just something that I wish more people could try. Yeah. I definitely so. want to do it again soon. Now in this state of mind that I've been in this sobriety and everything, I definitely want to take some and like, I don't know, lock myself in a room with some incense and crystals and like meditate <laughs> yeah, and chant, yeah. come out like an enlightened being. I don't know. <laughs> I think you really like ayahuasca. Yeah, you know, that's really interesting. I heard about this not long ago. I was just listening to people talk about it, and it might be the universe sending me a sign that I should try it out because I heard this girl say she went on like an ayahuasca retreat, and it's a different experience for everyone. You've got people dancing and singing. You've got this person in a ball, like sobbing their eyes out, and this person over here throwing up. Mm-hmm. And I would be interested. I think, I think I'm ready to face myself that way. I think I could handle it. Yeah, because like when I went for mine, everybody had done it but me, and there there was like seventeen of us in this room, and then there was like a, a shaman and like three or four spiritual advisors there, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Hey, have you done any research on this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I have. I've seen YouTube, and some of my friends have done it." And they're like, "Well, your experience is not going to be their experience." And then there was this lady in the room. She's like, "As soon as I do, I'm going to start crying." Sure enough, as soon as she it kicked in, she started crying. And then I always heard people like piss and snort, like shit themselves and then throw up. Like that's really violent part of it. They're purging. And so I was like, man, when, when am I going to release <laughs> purge or whatever? And then like people around start, it's like chain reaction. Boop, and it's like violent. Like the sound that's coming out of these people is a sound that I've never heard before. Like as far as the puking. And I didn't end up purging, but like you said, everybody has a different experience. There were some people dancing, there were people crying, there were people throwing up. It was, it was one of the wildest things. But I always say my favorite part of the whole experience was we did a fire ceremony afterwards 
So we're sitting around this big fire pit and they tell people, what do you want to throw into the fire? What do you want to let go? And then people were like, man, this medicine has helped me love myself. It makes me, you know, cure my addiction. And to me, that was the most beautiful and beneficial part. It wasn't mm-hmm. something that happened to me, but just hearing these people feeling healed from taking this thing. Yeah. So where did you do it? I did it here in Tennessee. Really? A okay. friend of mine, they have like a private thing that they'll get people together. Um, next time they do it, like I said, they did it a couple weeks ago, but I had something going on. But uh, the next time I find out, I'll let you know. Yeah, give me a shout. I am interested in it. I want to yeah. take it to the next level. I've had the shroom experience. Like I said, that's what really set me on this path of healing and growth and knowledge. And I think it's time to try a little ayahuasca and see what happens. Maybe you, Raul can do it with you. I mean, he keeps yeah. telling everybody he's going to do it and then doesn't do it. <laughs> would you do it, BDB? I would. BBD. Big Dick Brad. Man. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> it took me a second. I definitely would. I, I want to do it. We should all do it together. We should all go and have this yeah, experience. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll do it with you, Mary. Thank you. That'd be an yeah. experience for us to have together. It would together. be a good experience because mm-hmm. we've had similar upbringings. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the upbringings that we've had, I, you know, I've repressed a lot of that. And it's only coming out in my therapy a little bit that, you know, I've always put it away, put it away and put kids or family or whatever, everyone. And so it's makes me wonder, am I doing that for them or am I doing that for me or mm-hmm. to to not have to look at me? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? You know how someone loves a messy friend because then they're not the messy friend. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's something I really I really want to do it. And I feel like I've been lacking in spiritual because, you know, a a lot of us were brought up very religious. And I Mm -hmm. think that, you know, it's changed. Our opinions have changed and we've evolved and maybe don't need that anymore. But you're still lacking a spiritual connection of some sort. Right. You know, I'm drawn to Catholicism, but, you know, there's so many there's so many pagan stuff in there. And so, you know, it's spiritual to me, you know, walking into Notre Dame, even though I'm not necessarily a religious person, I can feel that energy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I can totally see that. I mean, just to be able to connect with that, because I mean, spirit is spirit. God is God, no matter what religion you put on it. And these, uh, spaces of spirituality and holiness. Correct. If you have some sort of connection to that, no matter what it is, you're going to feel it in those places. And I completely believe that you can have holes in your soul, which make you have health problems like cancer or obesity, like myself, or whatever it is. You're missing something. There's a hole in your soul that you need to figure out. Yeah. And that's mental. You know, mm-hmm. and only you can do that work, right? No one else can and do it. It's for so you. easy for people to say, "Well, just do this or just do that," but until you're ready, you're not going to do anything. Yeah, yeah, I've learned that the hard way way too many times. You can never force someone on their healing journey. You can never force someone to take better care of themselves. You know, it has to be this moment inside them that's like, "I got to do something about this, or else it's going to be meaningless." It's like if your mind's cluttered, you'll go to someone's house when their mind's cluttered, their their house is cluttered. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or you can tell by the cleanliness of their space where they're at mentally. Yeah. 
100% true. So, Tony, tell us when it's going to happen, and Mary and I are going to go, and we're going to do it. And we can all circle back to the podcast and talk about it. We can let you you know what our experiences were. Yeah. I'm hoping to have a... I'm I'm sorry. I was hoping to have some real epiphany. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, you will. Like, everyone that has done it has had, like, like, some people take and do the work after they see, and some people don't. You know, and I see that you would definitely do the work needed after you saw what you needed to see. Well, I'm not, I'm not repressing my feelings. I mean, you guys have been around me lately and my, the way I'm acting, I'm not repressing myself anymore. So I'm thinking that this will open up something Mm -hmm. for me and I'm not afraid to embrace whatever it is and what the consequences are to it. Yeah, I think um, some advice that I got through, I don't know, spirit, whatever it is, I'm still working out whatever it is that I believe in. Um, I was in meditation not long ago, and I was like, okay, what am I trying to achieve here today? What kind of messages am I trying to receive? Blah, blah, blah. And it almost like distracted me. And then the voice comes through and says, what if you showed up and didn't expect anything? Mm-hmm. What if you just showed up and did it? without expecting some sort of spiritual awakening, some message, peace, whatever. You just show up and you do it and see what happens. And lately that's helped me go so much deeper and just like, hey, I'm here, you know? And then my thing with uh, the spiritual guys or whatever is like, I show up, you show up. I am in your hands, guide me. And that's been really beneficial. Well, I think as knowing your past and my past were enablers, Mm -hmm. and we've been enablers. So it's hard not to be pessimistic and think the worst is going to happen because we go into everything thinking, oh, it's going to be a a travesty. It's going to be, it's going to be awful. And then. Because the worst has happened. Right. The worst has happened. happened. You're always waiting for the other shoe to fall. Mm And changing your mind and knowing that you're not a little kid anymore and you don't have to wait on the other shoe to fall. Mm-hmm. And you can, you have your own destiny that you can, you can decide to be positive and happy or you can decide to still live as a afraid little boy like me or a afraid little girl like you. Yeah. I always said that a place we worked at was very dysfunctional. It was like a dysfunctional family, but that felt like love to us. Mm, I and, remember that so much. Yeah. yeah. And me talking to you about that and saying, okay, we're staying for each other. We're here for each other because we feel like we're in a dysfunctional family and a dysfunctional family feels like love to us. Mm-hmm. So finding out what you really want or knowing what you don't want is just as important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like staying in a toxic relationship, a dysfunctional relationship and everything, because that chaos can feel like passion and love when that's what you were shown as love as a young child. Mm. You know, you can really mistake that, like those feelings of, I don't know, like panic. Maybe you think you're excited. Maybe you think you're falling in love when really it's your intuition being like red flag, red flag, get out right now. But you think it's love. Or maybe it's you saying this is my second chance to fix someone and you're never going to fix someone. Mm. You're not going to fix someone else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There is that savior complex there where it's like, 
okay, I couldn't save this person and the worst happened, but maybe I can help you, you know, and then you end up completely destroying yourself or like losing yourself in the process of trying to save someone else who doesn't want that. And like we said, like you can't make someone want that. You can't make someone heal. You know, it has to be a decision they make in themselves. So like when I started dating again, I was like, okay, no, unless you've done the work on yourself, I'm not even going to look your way. So also Mary realizing that if something happens to that person, it has nothing to do with you. Yeah, You know what I mean? That's hard. That's hard to let go and just, if something does bad happen to this person, it had nothing to do with you. Yeah. And that, that's been something hard to learn or embrace, like not blaming myself. Right. Yeah. But being it's all able, a learning process. Being able to sleep at night, knowing you did everything that you could. Everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Where you've become, you know, I'm proud of who you are today compared to the girl I met. Thank you. Me too. Like sometimes it doesn't even feel real. Like, especially like in, in a moment like this, like where I'm like, somebody wants me to be on their podcast. I actually actually have something interesting to offer something worthwhile. Like when I'm, um, in, in a yoga class full of people, like I have to like take a moment to like, Oh shit, I'm the teacher here (laughs) because it just seems so surreal. Like, being the person that I was to the person I am now. And I don't even think you guys knew me when I was like really bad off. Like, like I said, like in and out of jail being tackled by the cops and really, really lucky to be alive. Like I've woken up in a hospital with no memory of what happened. And apparently I gotten in a really bad car accident, you know, and I just feel really lucky to be here. And I, I don't suggest anybody take that route, but that was something for me that um, like my one of my sister's best friends got hit by a drunk driver, and I remember comparing myself to her. She she'll never be the same again. She had like a severe brain injury. She was a mother. She was uh, in school at Ole Miss, you know, really accomplishing things. And this happened to her. And then I get in that car wreck, and I wake up and I'm fine. Mm. And I was like, why, why me and not? Why? Like, why was it not the other way around? I contribute nothing. Like, this is how I felt at that point in time. Mm -hmm. I was like, I contribute nothing. And this woman is a mother and really doing things in her life. Like, so then there was this thing in me that was like, I must have some kind of purpose. There must be some reason that I haven't died yet or, you know, ended up in a jail cell permanently or anything like that. Um, And I just really set this goal, like, I want to figure out whatever that purpose is. I feel very lucky to be alive. I feel very lucky to have not hurt anyone, at least like, you know, permanently, physically. Um, I'm sure there are people that I have hurt in the times that I was in my darkest. And, you know, it's just, it's part of it. Well, they say we're all a villain in somebody's story. Yeah. So you can't control other people's um, ideas if you can only can control yourself. Exactly. That's what I decided to do. And then along this journey, I realized, like, oh, hey, I'm the one in charge here. I'm the one that makes decisions. I'm the one that controls how my life goes. Mm -hmm. And so I booked a trip to Ireland. (laughs) 
That's when awesome. Roll you. When you, yeah, that's so cool, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, how badass is that? Yeah, I'm going. I mean, how much more Irish can you be? Truly. Really? <laughs> I'm going Mary back. Francis Patrick. Are you kidding me? Uh, I was like, you I'm going back all three to my Dad, did I do something wrong? But yeah, I booked it for my 30th birthday. Where so. are you going to go? Where at in Ireland? Um, so I'm going to stay in Dublin. Uh, Caitlin and Brian, do you remember them? Yeah. Okay. Uh, either they live in Ireland now, so I'm going to stay with them for a little bit. And then I think I'm going to go to London just for a day or two, just travel around just because I've always wanted to go there. And then I'm going to come back and... Um, stay in hopefully like some kind of obscure little Airbnb. And if you have any suggestions, please send them my way. Well, that's cool. Yeah, because I'm very excited. I don't really have any specific plans yet. I completely trust Brian and Caitlin because they've been living there. Like, oh, you should go here. You should do this. Blah blah. They're gonna be so great are guys. You, are you just gonna, wing it, baby? Just yeah. wing it. Gonna go to England by yourself though, because there's something that's really cool. Because you know, I've been in the airline business 32 years. There's something really cool and refreshing and and good about doing something by yourself oh, you yeah. know what i mean mm-hmm. like actually just doing that by yourself with no one else and yeah you I really am. do a lot of thinking and yeah you know. i'm going by myself and i'm really excited about that uh had someone the other day like, you want a travel buddy and i said no, respectfully, I'm doing yeah. this alone. Um, nice. And of course, like my boyfriend now, so supportive. I told him, I was like, I just booked a trip to Ireland. He's like, Hell yeah, babe. He's like, That's so awesome. And then he booked uh, that tour of Winterfell, the Game of Thrones thing for me. So I'm really excited about that. That is going to be a really cool trip. Mm-hmm. And doing all that stuff and how supportive he is of you. Mm-hmm. And you're winning right now. You know, and it feels good. I had this moment uh, not long ago. I was like, Am I happy? Am I mentally healthy and happy? Is this what it feels like? And I think so. And and I just want to be clear that that doesn't mean that um, all days are good and wonderful. I have my days still that I feel uninspired, heavy. You know, I just kind of want to chill. And I just honor that. You know, I think that's what happiness and healing is, is becoming aware, which meditation has helped me with a lot being really aware of those things and learning that you are the one in control um, and not letting those things control you. You Mm. are in charge of your life. I like that. Yeah. So where can everybody find you at? Um, so I my Instagram, um, mindful Mary 901. Um, if you're interested in taking some of my yoga classes, I teach at my body house in midtown. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what I've got going on so far. Yeah. The fuck is Brad doing? <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a cat? <laughs> yeah. What um what is your definition of happiness? Hmm. Oh, that's such a good question. Finding purpose. I think that happiness is a byproduct of finding your purpose and your purpose doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be something that is going to change the world. It can just be something that makes you feel fulfilled. Yeah. So yeah, it's just happiness is just a byproduct of living a full life, finding your purpose and doing everything it takes to pursue that purpose. I like that answer. Mm -hmm. So I like to ask four questions. Okay. 
My first question is, what's your advice for people and what mark do you see yourself leaving on the world? Uh, so again, just to reiterate, um, find your purpose, do everything it takes to pursue that purpose. Um, embrace death as morbid as that sounds, embrace it. Um, let it be your teacher and, the mark that I hope to leave on the world, I don't know why this makes me like, kind of want to tear up because, you know, like one day I am going to be gone. Um, just leave some knowledge behind to like help people live their fullest lives. You know, I don't have to be on. I've never been one to like want to be famous or like anything like that. Just like the people that are close to me, if I can make some sort of impact or difference, anyone that crosses my path or like. I want to make a little bit of a change in my life, you know, just so that they can live their best life. Like my knowledge, pass it to them so they can apply it to their lives and live their own personal journeys, take their own personal paths. I like that too. And my last two things are, what do you think happens when we die? And who would you like to give flowers to? Like appreciation to? Okay. Um, I think when we die... You know, I was talking earlier, we are all part, we all are made up of these particles called atoms mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And that all just kind of dissipates. There's this really beautiful quote that I heard once. It's on um, Midnight Mass and says, and we're just drops of water returning back to the ocean of which we've always been a part of. We just go back oh, where we came from. That is love that. That's mm -hmm. so love good. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we are mm. consciousness embodied right now. Um, and then... Like there's just one big consciousness that we just kind of return to. Yeah. And like, as far as like giving flowers, like a shout out to somebody or something like that. Okay. This is a good one. Um, I'm going to say to Brad cause Brad's here. For like <laughs> <laughs> the podcast the headline's going to have cameo by Brad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but seriously for kind of getting me through my bar days and like kind of teaching me to be tough, but also kind. Um, what's that? Is that my phone or? I think it's Alexa. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, my yoga teachers, Michelle Mallory and Amy Morse, for uh, meeting me where I was when I was in yoga teacher training and kind of uh, guiding me through that. Um, yeah, and like my sisters, obviously, just for being my best friends and loving me even when I was just like a major shit show. Um, my boyfriend now who is just very, Aww. yeah, I just want to give him a shout out because he is just <laughs> continuously hyping me up. Like before uh, I got here, he sent me a message. He's like, you are intelligent. You're funny. You're going to kill it, you know, and it's just, it's just so nice to have a partner that sees you and hypes you up and just, truly give me that love and um to all the people who taught me lessons the hard ways the ones that really um made my life difficult so that i could grow it's a lesson yeah yeah and they know who they are <laughs> you know my father-in-law used to say the best gifts come in the shittiest wrappings and that's for sure yeah. the truth when you look at the things that have happened to you, 
the best gifts have come in the shittiest wrappings. Yeah, and that has proven to be true so many times. When you think that this is just the end, sometimes it's just like a, a new beginning. Yeah. What's that song? <laughs> oh, gosh, not closing time. God, I am a bartender. Closing <laughs> time. Yeah. And also, shout out to y'all for getting me to do this for the first time, for you staying on my ass about it, because I was... Like I said, I just wasn't sure I would have a lot to offer. So No, you have. Yeah. And it's been a really fun episode. Yeah. And, you know, listen to your story and stuff. It's been great. Yeah. And thank you all for bringing me on because this has been such an awesome experience. And now that I've done this and kind of like got that first time all the way, I'm like, okay, when can I do more? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this has been great. So thank you all. We appreciate your time. Thank you. And your friendship. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, guys. I'm so grateful. Brad, you have you have anything to say? we go leave out i love the fact that this aries <laughs> it was so afraid to talk on the mic and she's just a fantastic person i've i've just followed her from being a a young girl to the woman she is today and i consider her one of my kids like mm -hmm. she is to me like after the things that happened with her dad i still text her on father's day and say you still have someone to text on Father's Day, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. And I just, I just love you, Mary, and I'm, I'm so happy for you. I love you. And too. I'm, I'm glad I popped in when I did. Me too. Yeah. That's perfect. Also, uh, shout out to my mom for not killing me when she absolutely wanted to. <laughs> for like when I woke up in the hospital and she was like, "Are you done yet?" <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> But thank you, Brad. I love you so much. And thank you for always supporting me and seeing me and meeting me where I'm at. And I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, Dad, right. Brad. And um, congrats on all A's. <gasps> oh, oh, yeah. Yes. I forgot that. I just remembered right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting to go from being a person who doesn't give a shit about anything to someone freaking out about an A minus. So, but. Nerd. <laughs> yeah, really, I am. <laughs> Yeah. All right. You have something else to say? I don't have anything else to say. Thank you. Oh, I thought you were saying like you wanted to say something else and you looked at him. My bad. No, I'm just like, messing with you. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we appreciate you, Mary. I appreciate and you guys. Bad Brett. Thank you. All right. We love you lots. Bye. Love you. Love you.